equality of what? I think in terms of university education, then we at least need to be saying, is it <coughs> equality of knowledge that's going on? So students learn bodies of knowledge, and they, they're different. It can be from established single disciplines or a range of interdisciplines. Um, some are more recent than others, or and professional fields. Um, but they're there to engage with um, these bodies of knowledge. Um, and from my perspective, while there are many aspects, gener generic aspects to university education, what's important is the specificity of what the students are learning, the, the, the discipline specificity of it. Um, so, for example, I would expect critical thinking in sociology, for example, to look different than critical thinking in physics. So there's something quite distinct about what students are learning and what kind of knower they're becoming when they're engaging with different bodies of knowledge. Um, so I'm going to start in discussion in discussing epistemological access with um, Basil Bernstein, who was the theorist we did use for this project, who I'm sorry to say is dead and white and male and <laughs> UK, but he did come from a working class background. Anyway, he was very useful. And anyway. fairly amazing. I'm fairly amazing, okay, okay. Um, so his work provided, if you like, the conceptual framework for us to look at the pedagogy and curriculum in these four universities. And his overarching theory is that there are systematic biases in any society in the distribution of knowledge in education systems. So to put it simply, the more powerful groups in society have access to more powerful knowledge, and that that reproduces inequalities. So in a UK context, in, in South African countries, it's, it's black and poor students will have less access to powerful knowledge than um, you know, richer white students. Here it's, it tends to be social, social class. Um, so the most important thing about this is ac access or unequal access to what Bernstein calls vertical discourse. So he describes vertical discourse as coherent, explicit, systematic, principled, abstracting from meanings embodied in everyday life, and it's found in the specialised language of disciplines. It operates at all levels of the official education system and produces graded performances. Um, and vertical discourse <coughs> is contrasted... I should give you these... Um, it's contrasted with horizontal discourse, which conveys the everyday common sense meanings that are necessary um, in, in family and peer and um, you know, different community relationships. And the reason that vertical discourse is powerful is that it gives people high ground to think and to act beyond local context. So, um, for example, an example is Lisa Wheelerhan's work, who, who writes about how vocational education that promotes the practical knowledge, but um, underplays propositional knowledge, actually restricts students' possibilities when they go out to work and in the workplace. And it's not quite as simple as the vertical horizontal discourse, because um, for Bernstein, well, Education is a system of power and control. Um, and if you analyse what it is that students are learning and how it is that you're learning, then it can reveal how 
how the messages sent by curriculum and pedagogy actually shapes consciousness and identity. So it shapes how what people want to be and do in capabilities terms. It shapes their aspirations. It shapes it shapes what they think is possible. Um, so education, again, in Bernstein's says, has the has the potential either, if you like, to expand the freedom to imagine and to act, or, or to constrict it. Um, so, in capability terms, what people know and what they can do with that knowledge is key to their freedom uh, to be able to be and do what they value. So that's you know that's how I'm kind of bringing capabilities into the Bernstein <coughs> brain. However, he, Bernstein himself, never used the word or the phrase or concept of epistemological access. It was, as I understand it, first coined by Wally Morrow, who is a South African, was a South African philosopher of education, and it was his response to coining this concept to an anxiety that the post-apartheid government's uh, desire to give formal access to, to black students to higher education, which they hadn't had before, would be at the expense of their engaging um, I'm coming to care about what he calls the um, fundamental rules and, um, of, and principles of a discipline because disciplinary understanding um, bestows the power to practice innovatively and freely. But um, I found um, the dimension that uh, Miranda Fricker, who's a UK philosopher, particularly generative thinking about this, um, she conceptualizes individuals as having rights in society, all individuals in society, as having rights as knowers and inquirers and tellers. So, um, and often, injustice is done to people as knowers and tellers and inquirers. And she identifies two forms of what she calls epistemic injustice. That is when these rights are denied. So first is distributive justice when people don't have the access to the epistemic goods they need to make to be a knower. So for example, education is the obvious one. Um, and then the second the second one, which I'm not really going to be dealing with in, in, in this talk at all, is although it operates, um, is discriminatory injustice. And that is when people do have something worthwhile to tell, should be listened to, but are simply not credible. You know, they're not listened to. So for Fricker, epistemic just injustice is done to people when either because they don't have the means or because they're not listened to, they can't contribute on an equal basis to the shared stock of their society's meanings, ideas, and arguments, and so on. So she she also draws on this span, and what she suggests, she proposes, is a capability that's called so, social epistemic contribution. So she's suggesting that this should be one of the central capabilities. I, I'm not sure I'm thinking of it as a capability. I think I might think, be thinking of it as a functioning. And Melanie made it very clear that in education we should be as interested in functioning as we are in capabilities. Um, and I think, and this is the thing I'm not clear about in my talk, what, what I'm saying here is that knowledge is the means, if you like, to make a social epistemic contribution, if you so choose, taking a capability line on it. Um, okay, so 
I am now going to, so having kind of set that up, so uh, the, the, what I think epistemic access is and what it's for, if you like, um, I'm going to talk about the project that we did. So this is was called the um, Quality and Inequality in Undergraduate Degrees Project, and um, it was carried out with me and my colleagues, Andrea Abbas of Bath and Paul Ashwin in Lancaster. Uh, so what we did was we, we, we used, as I said, um, a Bernstinian lens, which I'm now, now kind of also bringing the capabilities lens to, and we compared and contrasted epistemological access and its effects in sociology-related departments in four universities that appeared in very different places in the normal league table tables. So we've referred to them as higher and lower status universities and called them community, diversity, prestige, and selective to, to signal that, that ranking and, and the character of the universities. Okay, so um, to pursue this argument here about the architectonic nature and power of acquiring a specific body of language, I'll discuss how um, empirically what we found was that sociological knowledge allowed these students, I mean, obviously to greater and lesser extents, but to form what we conceptualized as um, powerful, specialized identities, what Bernstein would call pedagogic identities, because they were gained from this engagement with curriculum and pedagogy. So again, I want to emphasize that for us in this project, it's become the specificity of the knowledge, because different disciplines will produce different kinds of specialized um, identities. So, um, so in Bernstein's terms, a pedagogic identity is the result of the regulation of individual consciousness by the messages sent by curriculum pedagogy. So they send messages. Um, and as I say, individual con consciousness is when, isn't, means ways of being and becoming and feeling and wanting things and relating and motivations. So, um, so our Obviously, we had our Bernstinian framework and we were using it, but it was it, it was empirically it rose empirically that what we got in the end was a what we identified as a specialised sociological identity with three different um, elements to it or aspects to it. Okay, so there, there, there. there's a disciplinary aspect, an applied personal social aspect, and an aspect that's to do with performing or doing the discipline. So I'll just kind of briefly um, discuss those. So, um, so broadly, the disciplinary aspect is the propositional knowledge. And in sociology, it's sociological theories, um, and it's um, work, empirical examples, you know, often seminal ones that students engage with, and methodological approaches. So at its heart, and very simply, sociological knowledge, its speciality, if you like, is offering alternative ways of understanding the relationship between individual lives and social structures. So that, that, that's its work, if you like. And what was quite interesting is that in the field of the research production, in, you know, in, in, in academics' terms, the, so, the discipline of sociology is always in crisis, they're always in struggle, you know, they're having a terrible time kind of working out what sociology is and isn't. Mm -hmm. But if you looked, certainly at these four curriculum, there's a strong unifying kind of sense of what socio sociology is. You know, they, they get 
taught much the same kinds of things in much the same kinds of ways. Um, it, it, it provides it provides powerful high ground. This is the message the academics are sending, um, from which to understand and engage with real life social problems. So, in terms of the of the second aspect, it, it, it's the kind of key aspect. It's about how to uh, to apply sociological insights. So, what the what they cared about most was that students would learn how to think sociologically, would bring a sociological gaze to bear on their own lives and the lives of others, would, in C. Wright Mills's term, um, develop a sociological imagination. That's, that, that was the kind of core and the key in, in all places. Um, and in essence, it's bringing the vertical and the horizontal discourse together. So this was the kind of key to to students being, feeling the discipline was their own and inhabiting it and developing uh, identifying with it. Um, so to just give you a kind of flavour of the kind of things, I've a couple of quotations. This is from Morris, who's a, a working class, white, young student of community. I've been learning about social de deprivation. You can link it to causes, to being able to analyse underlying theories. You can apply utilitarianism theory which matches a crime to a punishment not taking personal circumstances into account. But then you can apply a contrasting theory. I enjoy and feel it's rewarding doing that kind of thing. It helps you feel more sympathetic towards certain groups, like the homeless, for example, the lengths they have to go to to, to survive. I mean, it's through need more than greed. It's opened my eyes to social divisions a lot more. Uh, and then there's Lena, who comes from, who was at diversity, uh, British Bangladeshi young woman from working class family. Girls are seen as more timid and fragile, but why? It's because it's always been like that. It's so engraved. And then males, I'm not saying everyone, but most, they think, oh yeah, I need to protect the girls. And it makes you think about your own life, especially where I come from, an Asian culture. There's more male domi domination. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just, it's just what they've been taught. So the kind of person that we saw emerging um, had very specific ways of thinking about the world, but then they couldn't actually do it unless you know this this they had the, what we call the performative aspect of it. So there were two parts to this, and one is the possession of a set of dispositions, so being very questioning and open-minded and that kind of critical thinking, and the other was the capacity to perform by way of reading and writing and research work. And it was the critical dispositions that the students we taught to valued very highly indeed. Um, they repeatedly told us over the three years that their minds and eyes had been opened about themselves and others in society. They'd become more questioning. They could think outside the box. They didn't take things for granted. They challenged. And they said that these dispositions had changed them. It had transformed them as people. So they, weren't, they didn't only value um, these kind of dispositions, but they were committed to them, and, um, and it kind of permeated the way they saw the world. So, again, here, here are some examples. It's Martin from Community. The fundamental message is don't take anything for granted. That's definitely, for me, the best thing I've got out of my course, questioning things all the time. I've been too exposed to reading certain things that are happening. I can't shut my eyes and go back to normality. I don't think I could do that now. I'd feel like I'm betraying myself and what I think and what I believe in. Uh, and Lena, um, because of what I've learned, 
of knowledge about the way society is. It's made me question more everything, and I like that because it's not everything has a definite answer. And I like the diversity of seeing everything differently and seeing new things, and it impacts on me as a person how I behave towards others. It's helped me become a better person purely because of the experience of seeing new things. And then there's uh, Frida, who is at Prestige. It's like you've come out of a cage you've been inhabiting, or as if you come out of a fog and things start to be clear and you start to get an understanding, you start thinking, oh God, now I understand that. So what we found was that all three aspects of this identity were being expressed, if you like, in the curriculum, um, and um, messages were sent by the, by the um, academics who were teaching them in all four departments. But they were differently inflected, and this is probably not kind of relevant to this particular talk, but I find it quite interesting This, if you go into it. So you could see in community, for example, the sociological knowledge was highly applied. It was criminology. So there was a, in each case, there was kind of projected identity for the graduate. So this, you know, the, the community graduate was definitely being seen as somebody who was going to be a competent public service professional. Uh, whereas prestige, it was much more on the you know, disciplinary side. So they were being projected actually as future academics, uh, although none of them were going to be. You know, um, and then in um, diversity, it was very much the enlightened citizen. The knowledge was being turned in on they were encouraging students to look at their own lives um, and the lives of the people in their communities. Um, and then in, in selective, it was much more that there was big social issues. So they were going to be they, they were projected as influential public service workers, you know, who are going to be working kind of nationally and internationally on those things. So you could see the different projections for the different students that reflected the kind of, you know, the social hierarchy of the institutions as well. But whatever the different inflections, they were all expected to recognise how sociological knowledge illuminates social life and to demonstrate their understanding. And they felt transformed by the knowledge, and they valued the, um, the new insights and the changed perspectives. Um, but what's important, I think, for capability, because as I said, these are specific you know, to, to disciplines. But for Bernstein, all education should give students access to what he calls pedagogic rights, and there are three of them. And I think this relates quite strongly to um, capabilities and we have written about this too. Um, so the three rights that all education systems should give access to, at the level of individual, it's enhancement. So it's individual enhancement. So individual enhancement is the right to the means of critical understanding, which results in confidence. So what we saw, we did see um, coming to understand and being a sociological knower gave students confidence to express. I mean, they'd tell us how they would, usually only locally, but they would be the person, if you like, in the pub who would express a view and say, you need evidence for that, this kind of thing. And they saw their knowledge as being useful at work. The second, I think, is very um, interesting, and I, I'd like to relate it to what Melanie was saying about capabilities, because certainly from Bernstein's point of view, it isn't only about you know individual enhancement education. It's very much about um, becoming um, part of society and feeling part of it, and feeling, w which I think also links to Fricker's idea of the social epistemic contribution. 
So it's the idea not only that you have rights, but you have duties. Um, is the is the social inclusion that you know if if you come out as a particular kind of graduate, you have something to contribute to society. It's part of it, it and you f and you feel you belong because you can make that contribution. That is the idea around the second pedagogic right. And then finally, which is uh, kind of you know it makes sense, is the political participation. And, I must say, most of our students didn't plan for any kind of direct political participation other than voting. But they did, which is obviously big <laughs> and important <laughs> at the moment, um, but they saw that they did think of their knowledge. They wanted their knowledge, the actual knowledge they had to be useful, either in society uh, you know, or, or, or in, in work. So, so whatever the pedagogic identity, the rights um, should be accessed. That, that will be the Bernsteinian view of it. Um, so so uh, the, the conditions, if you like, it, what I feel, or maybe the, the factors, or maybe it is for the, for the functioning, if we're thinking of it like that, of the social epistemic contribution, is for people to have knowledge in which they have confidence, um, which they can confidently express in a, in a society they feel part of and in which they are listened to. Now, obviously, university education can't create all these conditions, but I think it can contribute to it uh, through attention, if you like, to um, to its teaching and learning. And I just, you know, before I finish, I, I want to say something about the pedagogic arrangements because, as I said at the beginning. Um, that's what capability approach can help with. And I, I, it was very important for us because that's what we were focusing on. Um, so the, the question is, what kinds of pedagogical arrangements might support these processes of disciplinary identi identity formation so that new knowledge and understanding reframes previous knowledge and understanding? Um, so it can't be guaranteed, and nor can it be absolute. Um, so from our point of view, the quality, um, and this is what we called it, quality and inequality, is, that, is, is key. Um, so, in Bernstinian terms, what he meant was an analysis of what is taught and how it was taught. Um, and what we looked at are what he calls the classifications and framings of um, pedagogy and, and curriculum. And these classifications can be weak or strong. I haven't time to go into this now, but um, I'm going to illustrate it. And I'm going to illustrate it by um, diversity, because in the end, we, what we felt was the diversity, which is a university pretty low in the rankings and recruits relatively I say relatively because the disadvantage the students um, experience here is nothing <coughs> compared with what I, the disadvantage I saw students experiencing in South Africa. Um, they, they, but many come from ethnic minority backgrounds. But he, in our reading, they were doing exceptionally well with these students, um, expanding their capabilities for knowledge and knowing and for social, the functioning of social epistemic contribution. So the reasons we came to this judgment work was first that the sociology curriculum was visibly and strongly sociological. Um, so the students were given massive opportunities to, to understand what sociology is, what it is, and what work it can do. Secondly, the vertical discourse of the discipline was 
again, visibly and strongly connected to the horizontal discourse of those students' lives. So the, the staff work very hard to understand and relate the knowledge to students' pre-existing passions and ambitions and interests and, and identities. Uh, and again, thirdly, what they were expected to do, the sociological text, the talk and the essays and the research was visible and, and, and very supportive. So all three aspects, if you like, of the um, sociological identity were, were strongly classified in, in the curriculum. At the same time, independence was, was highly valued and supported by the staff, particularly in a final year dissertation, which in fact had been um, abandoned in community because the students found it so difficult. So again, you could kind of conceptualise that as a form of injustice because it, it was there where the students really began to engage with the discipline in their third year. So similarly with the pedagogy, um, the framings were very strong. They um, it, and, and it was done explicitly to overcome barriers of what the staff saw as unpreparedness for the university of their students. Um, so they got masses of explicit guidance and, and, and lots of, and lots of um, support. There, there was very good relationships built with the, um, with the students. There was a massive emotional labour evident. They were always available and friendly and encouraging. However, there was a problem during the project with these relationships. They were weakly framed, if you like, and democratic. Um, and only in this university, what we observed, because we, we did the classroom observations, was um, really bad behaviour in seminars and workshops. You know, they'd turn up late, they'd look at their phones, they'd talk over the, the lecturers. And of course, obviously the lecturers knew this, so when we said, and actually it even gets worse as the, as the years go on, they knew it. Their solution, um, and we've remained in touch, and apparently it, it, it's worked very well, because obviously this, this compromises the, the, the ability to kind of learn, was to um, agree with the students what they called a respect contract. So they kind of maintained, if you like, the democratic nature of the relationships, but, but, but set, got them to set the boundaries. So, okay, everybody turns up on time. You know, phones are turned off. You know, that kind of thing. So, and I don't think it was coincidental that the, the course leader was actually, um, she, she was both an active sociology researcher but also kind of interested especially in pedagogy. <coughs> so for us, diversity demonstrates the powerful capability expanding possibilities, if you like, um, when tutors know what they're doing and do it. Um, and it, it might be the only course in the country like that. We don't know. These are empirical questions. We could only look at four. Um, so, to conclude, uh, I think it's important to remember that a capability is a freedom or an effective possibility, which is what um, Rosie was emphasising this morning. It's a student's choice whether it's realised or becomes an achievement. And here I've been thinking of the achievement, if you like, the, the, the possibility of functioning so that you, you, you are contributing to the stock of um, society's meanings in one way or another, at work or out of work. Um, and, and I think what I've been trying to say is that, 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 um, that knowledge is freedom given, if you like, that kind of gaining this knowledge is, is a freedom, so we can think of it in capability terms.